over here so you guys can take pictures and slides and not get my uh, goofy self in those pictures. Um, so for those of you that don't know, uh, as Pastor Maxwell said, I work for a group called the Opus Group. Uh, we're out of Kansas City, Missouri. Actually, the Opus Group started out here in Virginia in 2011, um, and then my boss, the founder, uh, decided to be a little bit closer to family, wife's family in particular, and uh, moved the Opus Group to uh, now Kansas City. So that that uh, transition happened in 2018. Uh, so, a little bit about Opus Group. Uh, so, as Pastor Maxwell said, uh, we work with individuals, we work with families, and we also work with businesses on uh, helping them come up with solutions uh, to create wealth um, and also tax shelter that wealth uh, from the IRS um, and government. So, uh, next slide. So, today I'm going to be talking about uh, saving for retirement in tax-deferred vehicles. Uh, so I'm sure a lot of us in the room have heard of the terms 401k, IRA, Roth IRA, um, and a lot of people, you know, are confused at, you know, which ones should they contribute um, and what should they invest inside those vehicles. And so that's one area that the Opus Group helps uh, individuals and, and families and businesses uh, decide those, you know, which buckets to save into and, and what to invest. Uh, but more importantly, we also help uh, individuals uh, with protection strategies. So whether that be a life insurance, uh, disability, um, long-term care needs, um, and then also to uh, financial planning. So we believe in, in financial planning because uh, as I'm sure a lot of us in the room you know, know, we've got to have an action plan to get from point A to point B. Um, we can talk you know, hypothetical or uh, have these great ideas and journeys, but we've got to figure out a roadmap to get from that point A to point B. And so at the Opus Group, uh, we do that through financial planning. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so when, when folks come see us, uh, obviously a lot of it is, is around retirement planning and, and, uh, or trying to create wealth for their, their families. So uh, oftentimes, you know, folks come to us and say, hey, I want to retire, whether it be 55, 60, 62, 65. You know, the great thing about uh, that journey is, is everybody's journey is different. Um, so oftentimes I think we think about retirement um, whether it be sitting on the beach, uh, spending time with our significant other, uh, maybe, maybe it's traveling around the world, uh, visiting new countries, um, or even just staying local and spending time uh, with our children and grandchildren, which is obviously great too. So we help those folks you know, determine on when that actually is, and it's based on your situation. And then we, we help tailor that, that plan um, or those strategies around you or your family. Um, 
The other thing that's important is uh, Social Security. So I know right now we're getting a lot of, you know, uh, headlines about Social Security running out in 2030. You know, what is this going to look like? Uh, and it's, a, it's an absolute concern. And so we help individuals figure out when to take that Social Security, whether it be at the earliest 62, 65, full retirement is at 67, generally speaking, or 70. Uh, depending on, on their, their strategies and, and what they've got in place, we, you know, we figure out uh, what's, what's the most beneficial. Do you work for a company that still offers a pension? Uh, so a lot of companies are, are moving away from the old pension plans um, and moving into more traditional type retirement accounts such as a 401k or 457 or 403b. And we'll get into those uh, here later on and kind of the imp implications around taxes on how those work. Uh, the rate of inflation. So I know a lot of us, you know, as we're going to the grocery store today or filling up our cars with gas, you know, we're feeling that, um, feeling that hit the wallet pretty hard. Uh, great news is, is that inflation has moderated. Uh, so what inflation is, is, is obviously the, the cost of goods and the, the change of that price. So when I say moderating, it's not necessarily that those prices are actually decreasing. They're just leveling off in increases. So they're stabilizing is, a, is another word income tax rates. Uh, so as Pastor Maxwell said, you know, the lobbyists and the, the government officials, they're always trying to uh, figure out ways to essentially, you know, take more money out of our uh, bank accounts and our wallets um, to fund their, you know, uh, whether it be needs or, or wants, uh, depending on who you talk to. Um, so figuring out those. Believe it or not, income tax rates are at a historic low. Uh, so if you just Google, you know, income taxes all the way back from the early 50s, um, there were times in this country where that income tax rate was as high as 75 to 80%, believe it or not. Um, so today, you know, we're sitting around, depending on obviously what your income is, uh, between around 20 to 30%, upwards to 37 for those ultra high net worth folks. Uh, so historically speaking, we were actually at a low point. Um, however, I bring that up, we believe uh, later on in life, that's going to change. And the reason it's going to change is because you have um, programs such as Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid um, that are underfunded, and the government knows that. So uh, they're going to have to come one way or not. They're going to have to continue to provide those, those plans and um, services to folks. Uh, but more importantly, they're probably likely going to come for your money to fund those programs, uh, which is unfortunate. So Obviously, there's ways and strategies to, to, to try to figure out what that looks like, um, and we'll kind of talk about that, too. And then the last and, and probably one of the most important things is what, what does your health look like? Um, you know, what does your health look like today, maybe based on a medical uh, history or event, but also, too, into what people, I think, neglect to, to consider is what is the, the people that have gone before you, um, what did their health look like? You know, did they have a lot of complications um, when they retired or later on in life? Or did they live to be 100 to 105? Uh, because oftentimes we're finding with those folks that are in retirement today, um, if they didn't do proper planning or, or saving in the right buckets, uh, there's a lot of fear and anxiety of running out of money due to those inflation and medical costs uh, continuing to rise every year. Uh, next slide, please. So we always have a, a before you invest checklist, uh, and it's re relatively simple. So I know we've heard the term cash flow uh, mentioned by a couple of the other guest speakers in here. Uh, so understanding that. So in basic terms, you know what what are you bringing in minus what are you using for expenses? Uh, and so we we work with individuals to figure that out because oftentimes 
um, you know, sometimes myself included, uh, when I, before I got into the business, you know, I didn't really understand what does that mean? What does that look like? How can I budget properly? What do I actually need to spend on those types of uh, discretionary spending items versus maybe what is it that Bryce wants or what is it that I think I want? Uh, maximizing employee-sponsored uh, retirement plans. So we're always a believer in, in maxing those, maximizing those 401ks. Oftentimes what we're finding too is, you know, um, even though those, those companies, whether it be a, a, a large business or a small business, um, you know, are getting away from those pension plans, they're offering still those, those 401ks. And those 401ks, uh, you know, I would say at least 90% of the time offer some sort of employer match. Um, sometimes they, they, they can be, uh, you know, you got to give a year's worth of service before that, that match will, you know, start to occur. Uh, but the, that's essentially free money. The employer is giving you free money to participate in that. So we always highly, uh, you know, encourage those folks to, to participate in that. Establishing an emergency fund. Um, so, you know, talk about cash flow, but depending on the, the type of household, the general rule of thumb there is if it's a, if it's a, if both parents are working, you know, you've got two dual incomes, uh, you want to have about three months worth of expenses saved up in some sort of rainy day fund. And then if it's a, just a single household or a, just a single parent working, you're looking at probably roughly uh, more six months that you want in expenses uh, built up in that emergency fund. And we're not talking about 401ks or retirement plans. I'm talking about fully liquid um, that, you know, if something were to happen in the economy, say we enter a recession or you get laid off, uh, that you have the ability to continue paying those bills um, and expenses, as Michael was alluding to earlier, you know, continue paying those credit cards. Because when we don't do that, we understand the implications uh, that that can create and the challenges that can involve with uh, s situations like having a, a credit score. Uh, we always uh, help individuals understand their goals and needs. As I, as I mentioned earlier, you know, it's, it's truly customizable and truly tailored to whatever that individual is. But we want to understand, you know, what those goals look like. So for an individual, just an in, in, in example, an individual that say they wants to come to us and say, hey, I want to retire at 55. I don't want to work at this, you know, in my 60s or the traditional 65. Uh, that's great. You know, we, we can help those. But what those folks that sometimes, you know, have this idea or mindset, what they don't realize is those 401ks that you've been putting money in or those other qualified uh, retirement accounts, we can't access that until 59 and a half. So that creates a challenge. So we've now got about a four and a half year gap that we may not have income. So we've got to create other buckets, whether that be real estate, having that cash flow, whether it be in a permanent life insurance that we can pull um, some of that cash from, or just a non-qualified investment account that we can pull to, to live off of uh, because we know that we can't, we can't pull on those assets without taking a penalty before 59 and a half. Same thing with Social Security. Earliest you can take Social Security, if it's still around, when those of you that, that get there, is 62. Uh, so there again, creating that gap and that bridge. Um, nothing wrong with retiring early. Uh, I know probably majority of us would love to retire early. So just figuring those, those goals and those gaps out. But then also your risk tolerance. So um, just like with everything else, when it comes to investing, there's obviously a risk reward involved. And we'll talk more about that here a little bit later on, but just understanding what that looks like for you and your family. Uh, next slide, please. So I've got a slide here. It's, uh, I like to call it paying yourself first. Um, and that's not, hey, I'm going to use my money to go buy X, Y, and Z, whether it be, you know, uh, a new vehicle, a new home, or et cetera. 
because uh, those are all things that you know we all need at some point. Um, but here's an here's a great example of if you were to save twenty five dollars, seventy five dollars, and one hundred and twenty five dollars per week, and putting into some sort of savings account um, or retirement account over twenty five years, you can see the allotted amount. I had this uh, situation ran at a compounded four percent annual return, which I know some of you are like, oh, that's that seems pretty high. Historically speaking, uh, the stock market has done over the last 50 years over 10.5% on, on an annualized basis. Uh, so you can see that a 4% annual return is, is very achievable, even for someone that's an ultra conservative investor. Uh, so what I mean by paying yourself first is taking that those dollars, whether it be 25, 75, 120, whatever the number is that you and your family have decided or that you and your you know financial advisor professional has decided, um, and, and using that and setting that money aside for those uh, money to be used later for retirement versus taking our paycheck and, and using it on discretionary spending. So paying yourself now so you can live a life later on um, that you've all dreamed about, whether it be, like I said, you know, spending on a beach, enjoying time with family, or, or traveling around the country. Uh, next slide. So oftentimes I find a lot of people uh, come to us and, and, and you know, tell us that they're saving in, uh, whether it be a bank account, a CD, a money market, those are all great things, don't get me wrong, um, especially given today's interest rate environment. But the one problem with all three of these accounts is uh, you will get a 1099 every year. So a 1099 is a form for income, essentially. So every year, whether you have a, you know, a savings account through Wells Fargo, Bank of America, any financial institution or money market or a CD, which are you know, paying attractive interest rates today, you have to pay taxes every year on that money earned versus a, a traditional retirement account, such as a 401k or an individual IRA or Roth IRA. All that money is tax deferred, meaning that you're not gonna pay taxes until that time comes to where you're pulling that money out. So as early as 59 and a half versus these types of accounts, um, you're gonna be paying taxes on it every year and that can create obviously uh, challenges. So just kind of running through these, so a, a, you know, a bank savings account, you know, not a bad, bad way to, to, to save some money. Um, those are you know, gonna be mainly used for those uh, quick liquidity needs. Uh, so to, those emergency type funds, uh, maybe you just wanna have some money for extra discretionary spending. Uh, today you're gonna be seeing that pay about a half a percent so when you think and you hear on the news of inflation, you know, running at anywhere from three to 9%, well, technically that money sitting in the bank is actually being eroded by inflation. It's the, the cost of that dollar is being eroded because the cost of goods or services are actually higher than that interest uh, that's being paid on that. Same thing with the money market. Uh, money market funds um, are tied to uh, some of the government bonds. So they are, uh, historically speaking, they are paying a little bit higher. Uh, I would say, you know, what we're seeing today in the market anywhere from three to 4% uh, on a, a, uh, an annual uh, average that, that those money markets are paying. There again, you know, just consider inflation too. At today, I think we're at 3.9, so you're basically getting your money that's equivalent to, to inflation. CDs, I'm sure some of us in the room or all of us in the room have gotten you know, mail flyers from local banks or credit unions or even some large institutions, you know, emails going out of these, you know, what I consider maybe some appealing uh, interest rates uh, for some of these CDs. 
uh, there again, you know, great, great way to, to save a little bit of money. You know, those are going to be more uh, types of accounts where you're going to be locking that money up for a period of time. So what in the investment world, we call that maturity. Uh, so it can be as short as, you know, a month CD can be as long as I've seen 24 to 32 months. Um, and so that interest rate is going to be tied to however long that period that you're allowing that institution um, to, to essentially um, borrow that money. It's a guaranteed interest, so there's no, uh, there's no market risk like investment. Um, and so what happens there is the bank takes your money and then they go and lend it out to other investors, essentially. Uh, so when people like myself, you know, or, or people like in the room come to the bank and, and want to borrow money from uh, the, the, the bank to, to fund a, a real estate project or whatever the case may be, um, that's where they're using that money. They're using other people's money to, to basically lend out. Uh, next slide. So some of the factors, you know, when considering these savings account, I always say, you know, shop these uh, rates around every year. It doesn't mean you have to change banks every year, but especially in this type of a market where interest rates are high, it's really important to make sure that you are getting the, uh, the best rate on your money. Uh, but also, too, check the fees. A lot of banks I know are starting to drop their fees uh, because the interest rates are high and they know consumers are able to shop these, um, these rates around. Make sure there's no charges or penalties. Um, there again, a lot of banks are, are dropping charges and penalties, uh, dropping maybe account minimum balances uh, that you might see, you know, when the historically when the rates were lower um, and the banks could be a little bit more picky. Now the, the interest rates are a little bit more favorable for, for those people that have money at those banks. So uh, they're, they're dropping some of those things. So just consider that. Always review statements that you have. Ask you if you work with a personal banker or a private banker, you know, Ask them for transparency on, on these things. Uh, next slide, please. And then now the fun part. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm sure a lot of us have heard of IRA, Roth IRA, 401k. There's SEP IRAs, there's simple IRAs, there's solo 401ks, there's 457, 403b. There's all these numbers of, of savings vehicles. And we'll talk about on the next slide here in a second, um, those types of uh, tax implications for each one of those. Uh, but the great thing about these uh, retirement plans, as I mentioned, is um, you can defer that tax to later to a later point. And then sometimes you may not even ever have to pay a tax. Uh, and so that's really important to to let that money continue to compound over time and continue to grow at a tax deferred rate. What we believe as those rates will continue to be higher from an income tax, um, defer that to, to a later point. Uh, next slide, please. So, as I mentioned earlier, there's so many types of accounts. You know, people come to us and say, hey, I want to open a Roth IRA or I want to, you know, open a, an individual traditional IRA without really understanding, you know, the reasons for those types of what I call vehicles. So, on the far, I guess it would be left side, your guys' side, uh, you see all the pre-tax money. So, what I mean by this is if you have any of these types of accounts and you contribute to them, basically that money is gonna be deducted from your income um, and then you'll be paying taxes on it. So an example, for a traditional IRA, an individual retirement account up there, the maximum you can put into that type of account in 2023 is 6,500. And so if you make, just say round numbers, $100,000, $80,000, $60,000, whatever it is, you can take that 6,500 and deduct that from your actual salary and get the uh, tax break of that today 
but just understand that you will pay the taxes at a later point, oftentimes 59 and a half at the earliest. Same thing with the traditional 401k. You're putting money into your retirement plan um, and that money is basically uh, deducted from your income and then taxes are taking out. So just understand that you're getting the tax break today, but you're deferring to pay possibly a larger tax when you pull that money out. Uh, the goal there and the idea there is that some folks have that they're making more money today than they'll, they are in retirement, so they would rather take that tax break today knowing that they're gonna spend less or they're gonna live a more frugal life in retirement. And that's totally fine. That's a great way to, to think about it. Uh, the other kind of analogy I like to, to run through people, and this is a kind of an analogy of more of how we think, is uh, I'm from Kansas City, Missouri. I don't know if I mentioned that. I'm not a Chiefs fan, so any of the people in the room that hate the Chiefs, I'm right there with you. Um, but uh, that being said, you know, come from an area of farmers. That's why I love coming out here uh, to Virginia. It's nice seeing the coast because in my town that I live in, it's a lot of uh, corn and beans right now, uh, which is great. You know, I, I enjoy working with farmers and I, I grew up on a farm, so I can say that. But the analogy that I like to use here is, uh, you know, you have take a farmer. That farmer is going to go to the store. He's going to buy the seed. He's going to plant the seed and that seed's going to grow into what hopefully comes a crop someday. So on a pre-tax vehicle, think of about it like you're paying the tax on that seed, knowing that when that seed becomes a crop, you're going to have to pay, you know, essentially larger taxes versus how we like to think about things on the, or the potentially income tax-free, like a Roth account, you're not going to get the tax break today. So there's no deductions. You're putting that money in, 6500 6, same thing with the traditional IRA. But the great thing about it is when you take that money out, you don't pay taxes. It's totally tax-free. So if that 6500 grows to 100500 guess what? That 100500 totally tax-free. It's another way for, to incentivize people to save. So back to my analogy, uh, what we believe is we would rather pay taxes on that seed now knowing that when that seed becomes a crop, there's no tax implications. And so that's why we like, historically speaking, for those individuals to save into a Roth IRA. You're starting to see a lot more companies offer a Roth 401k, which is also great too. Um, you can actually save in both an individual Roth IRA account and then an also a corporate Roth 401k. The other thing uh, in the middle I forgot to mention is, you know, these after tax or these are gonna be types of uh, savings investment vehicles where there's gonna be subject to re uh, federal and state regulations uh, when that money is pulled out. So for a mutual fund, in, in the case of it not being in, in one of these, either of these two accounts or a CD or savings account, you know, you're gonna pay taxes on that, assuming that that mutual fund is not held in an IRA or a 401k or a Roth for that matter. Same thing with real estate, you know, as Patrick, Pastor Maxwell mentioned, the 1031 exchanges. Uh, for those that are not familiar with that or, um, you know, don't understand that, how that works, you know, if you buy a real estate property and you sell that at a later point, you know, there's, there's likely going to be some taxes involved um, that you're going to have to pay when those transactions occur. So you don't get to defer that like on some of these, um, you know, corporate or uh, individual retirement plans. Next slide, please. So... Anybody heard of the rule of 72 in the room? Okay, so the rule of 72. So if you take the number 72 and divide it by 
whatever the projected rate of return is. Um, and that number will equal the amount it will take to double your money. So I'll be using, in this illustration, 8%. So if you take 72 divided by the 8%, in nine years, that money will double. So like I mentioned in the beginning of this conversation, or this presentation, uh, if you think about the stock market over the last 50 years has averaged 10.75 uh, return annualized. Yeah, there's some up years and there's some down years where you're gonna see that, that number bouncing around, but if you, if you put a, a point from you know, the 1970s to 2023, that, that average uh, return is, is a little over 10.5%. So in this analogy, you know, I, I used 8%. There again, very achievable. So if you put in $1,000, in nine years, that $1,000 will become $2,000. And then in 18 years, that $2,000 will turn into $4,000. And so you can just see how that compound interest will work over time as that money doubles. So great, quick, quick and dirty, uh, easy way to, to kind of figure that out and, and understand um, you know, mentally with some, some round, simple numbers, uh, the power of that compounding of interest. Next slide, please. So as I mentioned earlier, you know, mutual funds. So just like with everything else, there's a risk reward in everything we do, and, and even in life. Uh, as we're, you know, getting in our cars and driving, you know, there's, we understand that there's a risk that we could become, you know, involved in an accident. It's, it's just like everything else. Um, so the one thing that I want to illustrate here is that potential risk reward, but also too, you know, when someone says, hey, I wanna open a retirement account, you know, whether it be a, a traditional IRA or a, um, a 401k for their business or a Roth, um, you know, obviously think of that as like the wrapper. So the way I like to think about this is um, whatever you're just picking, you know, favorite soda. So my favorite soda is Dr. Pepper. Well, we know that Dr. Pepper comes in a Coke can or a Dr. Dr. Pepper can, uh, a plastic bottle can come out of the fountain. You know, there's various types of outside wrappers that's holding that product inside. So when I, what I mean by that is, you know, the, that's the, the Roth IRAs, the traditional IRAs, the 401ks, the 457s, those are all the wrappers. So we've gotta have something inside of that that is, you know, generating that, that uh, income or interest. And these are the types of things that you're, you're likely gonna see on a, on a very broad, high-level spectrum um, in some of your, you know, individual accounts or uh, possibly 401ks. So we've got, we mentioned the money markets, uh, bonds, so historically bonds are the safer uh, uh, investment that, and those are gonna be directly uncorrelated with the stock market. Uh, so when the stock market goes down, generally bonds are going up because people are fleeing to what we consider you know, the flight of safety. Uh, a balanced income is gonna be an income or a, a portfolio that's, you're gonna be looking at you know, 60% 60, 60 stocks, 40% bonds. And then you can see, you know, the various levels of risk associated. Um, so large company stock, so a, a mutual fund that's targeting that is going to be investing in companies like Amazon, Google, Microsoft. So, you know, think of large companies that have been around for a while um, that have been relatively stable. And then on top of that, you know, you've got your small company stocks. So we all understand that Amazon didn't become Amazon overnight. Uh, actually, matter of fact, you know, the way Amazon's trading today is around $125 a share. Um, but before, so 1998, Amazon was a $2 stock company. So at one point, they were a small stock company. So just understand that, you know, 
there is some more risk with smaller companies, but then there are some potential rewards uh, too. Uh, next slide. So getting into uh, more bonds. So think of bonds as a way of whether it be a, a municipality, the federal government, or even a corporation, um, essentially an IOU. So in the instance of a corporate bond, I'm gonna use Amazon in this example, Amazon is going to the public and saying, hey, I wanna build you know, infrastructure, maybe it's a warehouse, um, or maybe they wanna you know, manufacture a new type of phone, so they gotta buy equipment for that. They're going out to the open public, so investors like you, um, and asking for your money, and then for your money, for you giving them money, they will turn around and pay you an interest. Uh, so corporate bonds, fully taxable. What I mean by that is every year you get an interest rate on that. So say in the example of Apple, Apple says, hey, I'm gonna you know, borrow, I need to raise a million dollars, they're gonna go out to investors, they're gonna raise that money, and then they're gonna pay maybe a 5% interest every year. That interest is fully taxable on the federal level, the state level, and also the local. What's different about corporate bonds and municipal bonds is municipal bonds are used by a lot of uh, high net worth investors because it's uh, fully federally tax-free and possibly can be state and local depending on where that municipal bond is. So example, say Virginia wants to build you know, a new road or a new bridge. They're gonna come to individuals like you, ask if you wanna participate in this holding. Say you do, you, you know, give them a thousand bucks. Um, and then they're gonna give you, you know, four to 5% in return for that, for borrowing that money. That money is federally, possibly state, and possibly local uh, tax-free. So for those residents that are, you know, Virginia residents and buy that, that municipal bond in Virginia, um, you, get it, you get to experience tax-free uh, growth or return on that, which is very powerful. Same thing with the federal government. So as the federal government's you know, funding different types of uh, you know, investment vehicles, or um, in this case, funding debt, they will issue what we call treasuries. Uh, so treasuries are uh, you know, a great way to, to park some safe money, but also you get the implications of, of tax-free growth on the federal level. You will still have to pay state and local taxes, so just know that, uh, but also a, a tool that a lot of high net worth investors are using because it's, there again, fully backed by the US government, so the only way that you're gonna lose money is if the, the federal government somehow, some decide, somehow uh, defaults. Next slide. You can also own stocks. Uh, so in those 401Ks, those Roth IRAs, traditional IRAs, 457s, you can own individual stocks. So if you wanna buy Amazon, if you wanna buy uh, Microsoft, you can buy those too. However, we're a believer in, in obviously diversification. Next slide. So talking about diversification, I've got an individual on the top, we're gonna just say his name's Michael, and then the, the female on the bottom, we're gonna call her Susan. So understanding the risk, as I said, with, with each uh, person, so Mike is an individual that wants to keep all his money in cash, he's scared about you know, market risks and, and, and um, possibly a, a stock market crash or possibly social security running out, so he's gonna keep all his money in cash. That's great, Mike's gotta understand that, hey, he's, gotta, he's you know, not gonna lose much of that money, uh, but more importantly, there's not much, gonna be much growth. Whereas Susan, uh, she's 100% stocks, um, which when I would consider all gas, she's all go. Uh, she wants to you know, try to achieve high growth potential, but she also understands that, you know, hey, there's a possibility she could lose all or a significant portion of that money. So here at the Opus Group, you know, we're, we're believers in, in owning a diversification. So owning some stocks, whether it be corporate bonds, municipal bonds, federal government bonds, 
some stocks, whether it be for mutual fund or exchange traded funds, owning a little bit of cash for those emergency rainy day funds, but then also owning other types of investments, whether it be real estate, maybe some gold, maybe some silver, um, which have historically been good assets to own uh, to combat that high inflation. Next slide, please. So here's another example uh, to wrap it up. So an individual that's, we'll just say he's 31 today, he's contributing $2,000 every year for 35 years for that retirement age of 65. So over those, that course of 35 years, he is going to put 70,000 of his own money and by the age of 65, he'll have over 470,000. And that's at an interest rate of, of 9%. There again, very achievable for someone that likes a little bit of growth and likes a little bit of risk. So you can just understand that you know, the power of, of that compounding interest, staying invested in the markets uh, can significantly pay off. Next slide, please. And then, uh, so we have a kind of a, the emotionals, uh, you know, that we all experience as an investor, especially the last couple years, uh, you know, starting from 2020, having COVID, seems like the stock market fell out, and then boom, four weeks later, you have the Federal Reserve coming in there with this big bazooka, handing out stimulus, and all of a sudden the stock market was back up. Um, so this is just the ebbs and flows. And so really the point about this whole thing, and if there's anything you, you're taking from this, this presentation, is it's not about timing the market. So we're not trying to pick tops and call bottoms. What we're trying to do is it's about time in the market. So staying invested, staying the course over those years and not panicking and freaking out um, due to all this stuff that you know, may be going on in the news or even overseas. Uh, so just staying invested and, and, and kind of letting those emotions take a, take a back seat because we know on a historical basis, all those charts tell us if we stay invested, that money will compound. Next slide. Avoiding investment fraud. So this is the last thing I have to say is, you know, just like with everything else, there's obviously fraudsters out there, scam artists out there. Uh, I'm sure a lot of us have seen the FTX stuff. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate it's becoming more rapid, it seems like, but also we look at the past history. You know, there, there are individuals out there that are they're gonna take advantage. So what I would always uh, tell people that, you know, we work with is never do anything over the phone, especially for someone you don't trust or you don't know. Um, there are no get rich quick schemes. Sorry for those that you know may think that. You know, it's just think about it this way. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be millionaires. It, it takes time, hard work, effort. Uh, just like with real estate, you know, you see those rehab pictures. You know, it didn't start out as a pretty dream home. You know, it took a lot of hard work, sweat, and tears. Same thing with investing. Uh, so just be very careful out there. You know, I encourage everybody to talk to a professional, if, if, especially if you're getting hit up with stuff. Um, it never hurts to have a second opinion. Um, there's nothing that you have to act today to, to you know, or you're going to miss out on all these returns. Uh, so just understand that. And next slide. I believe that's all I got. Hey, everybody. This is awesome, man. Our Overflow Investors workshop is going great. We've learned how to become bankable. We've learned how to do tax annuities. We learned how to hide our money and tax sheltering. Our goal here is to make sure that we teach people how to make money through investing in real estate. Investing in real estate to me is the easiest way in order for you to learn and to curate wealth.
So I'm so happy. We had a, a good turnout. We had about, I guess, probably about 200 people here today, and it's been awesome. We want to make sure that you're able to not only take care of yourself, but to curate wealth for your children and your children's children and your children's children's children. We want to make sure that you leave a legacy of wealth to take care of your family, and that's what we're going to teach you here in our overflow. Hi, I'm Sarita Powers. I came all the way from Virginia Beach to hear Dr. Maxwell. Love it. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. Can't wait for the next one. I'm going to definitely buy my first property one day soon. You can also buy into this program. This is a free workshop, but we have it every, every month. We're gonna have paid for classes and we're gonna give it at a very, very discount rate. Just look at the bottom of your screen and you'll be able to see exactly what it is that you need to invest in yourself in order to make sure that you not only become bankable, but become wealthy so you can take care of your family. Hey everybody, how you doing? This book, is a book I believe everyone should buy. Not just because I wrote it, but because this book was birthed out of pain. And you learn so much during those painful moments. This is called Leadership Growth, The Power and the Pain. You can't have the power unless you've been through the pain. Bishop Morton wrote the foreword. It's been endorsed as well by our former governor, uh, Terry McAuliffe, and by our Newport News Sheriff, Sheriff Gabriel Morgan. I promise you this book will bless you. Please get it, not just for me, but to bless you. Go to willamaxwell.org or click on the links below and I promise you this book will bless you. If you don't just buy it for yourself, buy it for someone else. It's a short read, but it's a powerful read. I've been getting testimonies all across the country and I promise you it will bless your life.